0: Rachel. Today, uh, we are continuing our teaching series. That's what I call a sermon series, a teaching series on steps moving from here to there. Uh, There's a lot of times we're figuring out uh, how do we get from here to there. And uh, sometimes it's easier said than done, you know. As Christians, we have faith in our lives. And uh, sometimes it's hard to activate faith from here to there. It's 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 kind of an illustration. Sometimes we have a house of faith that we live in, but talking to your neighbor next door, it's a whole different ball game. Sometimes we can worship God here in the church, but at lunch after. Not so much to the person we don't know. So, how do we activate a faith that's missional? So last week we talked about activating a faith that's already alive. That's nothing wrong with it. We're followers of Christ, believing in the Word of God, activating the gifts in our life, but actually making it missional and moving it to where there's impact. And so we ask that question: how do we move our faith into mission? We talked about being free from being defined by your past. We talked about overcoming the fear of the future. And we talked about choosing obedience over sacrifice. Because anything you sacrifice for God, He can replenish. He can replace. But He cannot make you obey. This is the part of free will that we have. And we have to choose to obey. That's why the Bible teaches us. Obedience over sacrifice. This week, I want to talk about uh, another topic which is a challenge for us as believers, as people that have faith. Not only just activating our faith, but actually this topic of worry. This topic of being consumed in our minds with worry. In fact, uh, if we were to take an honest poll today, And we were to be really transparent, which in church sometimes is hard because everything's good and everyone's having perfect lives. I know no one's got issues here, right? I do. I do. We worry a lot. We worry so much so that as believers sometimes worry can become a God. And uh, if you're a professional Christian here today, maybe you negotiate worrying with God. Maybe you tell God, well, you know, just in case you want me to do something, I'll just think about the first option, how this can pan out, the second option, third option. Uh, God, you can come through on the fourth one this way, and maybe four and a half, and I'll stop after four and a half options of worry. But just in case you're going to speak to me and I need to do something, I'll just worry a little bit. It's professional Christianity. Psalms 37 verse 1 to 7, and then we're going to skip to 23 to 25 is going to be our skip scripture focus today. Uh, I love David. He is a man after God's own heart. That's what God says about David. David was a murderer, an adulterer. He was someone that lied. He wasn't a good father. And yet the Bible says that he was a man After God's own heart. How is that possible? That a man that would never be selected for leadership in today's Christian world. How is he the man that's representing God's heart? And it's simple. He was not a professional Christian. He was a man that lived a transparent life before the Lord, he would make a mistake and he would worry and he'd go right back to God. He wouldn't think about it twice. Many times in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms, you'll hear him cry out before God, like in Psalms 51, when he was caught and saying, God, don't leave me. I have sinned against you. And he talks about this scripture, this, this chapter has been kind of a chapter uh, in my life that's been something that I've focused on for years, this chapter. Just digging in deep into what God is saying about worry. Because I have to be honest with you, uh, even though I spend 90% of my time inside of a church as a pastor, I still worry. I just do. I don't know why. No matter how God comes through, I still worry. No matter how much faith I gain, I still worry. In a lot of ways, I can kind of relate with David a little bit. Because David's got quite a few issues. If you know uh, the chapter well... You'll kind of notice David is such an open book that he complains a lot. In fact, uh, David, in the book of Psalms, he talks, about 50, he talks about being in trouble, speaks of trouble 55 times. It's like one every week into the next year. <laughs> you talk about a New Year resolution, like you've got problems in the New Year when you're making New Year resolutions. Can you imagine? That's a lot of trouble. He talks about enemies 106 times. Can you imagine having 106 enemies? Can you imagine going to a counselor and telling them, yep, I got another one this week. Which one is it right now? Well, it's number 57. David, are you Okay. I don't know what I'm doing, but I just seem to be racking up enemies. David was a man that was troubled with worry. But I love in this chapter, he describes his trouble. He complains about it because he's an open book. And then guess what he does? He tells us the solution to what we need to do. That's what I love about David. He's like solution-oriented, even though he'd like to complain. <laughs> That's leadership, you know, at its finest. Sometimes everybody is the first one to point out, well, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It doesn't take a lot to point out what's wrong. It takes a lot to actually find solutions to what's wrong. That's the difference. And David did that. Let's read Psalm 37, verse 1 to 7, and then 23 to 25. Do not fret... Because of evildoers, be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green plant. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness As the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Verse 23 to 25 The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I've been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. We're we're hearing an experienced David who's been through life a little bit. He's been around the block a little bit. How many of you guys can relate? I've been around a little bit. Come on, I can see some hands waving. I've been around, I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> I've been in some situations, I've been in a lot of churches, ran around a lot of pastors, been in a lot of awkward moments. But David reminds us I've been young, and now I am old, yet I've not seeing the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging for bread. Two out of five Americans say they worry every day. So in this room, that's four out of ten people. Four out of ten of us worry every day. According to a new white paper released by Liberty Mutual Insurance, check this out. Among the findings in the worry-less report, all my millennials. Millennials worry about money. Not too different from any other generation. Single people, where are my single people at? Come on. Is there no single people here? You never know what God's up to. I'm just saying. They could be in this room. Just saying, all right? So if I were you, I'd be hollering real hard. God may be doing something. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Single people worry about housing and money. Women generally worry more than men do. And all the men say, Oh, that was... You don't want to be doing that. I'm not looking up. Whoever that was, hopefully you're not sitting next to your spouse. I did it in orange and it was quiet. I said... Good for you guys. We got some experienced men in here that did not say amen to that. They worry often about interpersonal relationships. Women do. Here's the good news everyone worries less as they get older. Amen. We got some amens in the crowd now. Amen. You're in a place where you're not worried anymore because you've seen some things. But how many of you know that the Bible teaches us that we are not to live in a place of worry? We're not to live a Christian life, I dare to say, filled with worry. We're not supposed to be waking up, trying to log into our mobile banking, checking how much money is in there just in case someone stole our debit card number from the night before. We're not supposed to be checking our 401k or 403b, whatever you have, wondering how much money the stock markets are making for us. We're not supposed to put our faith in people. We're supposed to put our faith in God. God said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, he says, Today I have given you the choice between life and between death. Between blessing and between curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Notice that he says, You make the choice. He doesn't make that choice for you. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might. Did you know your choices affect not only you on how you live your daily life as a believer, but also your descendants? Mm -hmm. Not just one generation, but multiple. You are setting the standard on how generations ahead of you, if you have kids in here, not only your kids, but your kids' kids. And their kids' kids, and their kids, kids, long after you're gone, your choices, a blessing and/or curses, that you live through are impacting generations. What if we woke up every morning with that kind of urgency? That how we speak and how we approach life and how we talk to people and how we talk to our kids and our families and how we work in our workplaces. There's an urgency saying, I'm impacting blessing or curses. Changes things. Matthew 6, 25 to 27 says this, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And this is really hard coming from a foodie like me (laughs) to admit this, that life is not about food. (laughs) And the body more than clothing. Some of us, you know, we're looking sharp today, but was the clothing more important than our heart coming to church today? Mm. Look at the birds of the air. What a beautiful weekend in Cleveland. I love it here. Don't talk to me about February. Just talk to me right here. They do not sow, nor do they reap. They don't work. Nor do they gather into barns. They don't have a bank account with a card and deposits and mobile deposits if you're tech savvy. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The birds. They don't talk English. They're really pretty and they make little noises. And they fly around. God's taking care of them. Are you not worth much more than they? How much are you worrying today? I love what Jesus tells us. And who of you, by being worried, can add not a single day, not a single hour, He said, not a single year, a single hour to his life. You could worry for a hundred years and you won't even add one hour to your life. So what are we facing today? What impossible situations are we facing today? What challenges are we so used to controlling ourselves do we need to give to God? Is it a child who is not living right? Is it your finances where if people really knew about what's going on, they'd be shocked to find out? Is it some doctor's report that's been given to you and you've worried so much about it, you have actually claimed it over your life and said, I, I don't think, I, maybe God can come in, may, maybe he can't? Are you worrying about something? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? Dr. Caroline Leaf says this in her book, Switch On Your Brain. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. Literally, physically changes our brain, the way we think. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Or the opposite is true as well. If you're constantly worrying about things, do you know you can wire your brain to be negative? Do you know you can wake up every day and you don't even know why it feels the way it does and you're wiring yourself because of your thoughts and your worries? Here's what I want us to understand today. It's a simple statement. Your thoughts determine your Destiny. Your thoughts determine your destiny. In fact, I'll put it in even more of a simple way. Show me your thoughts and I'll show you your future. Show me what you think about every day, Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday mornings, and I'll show you your future. If you're thinking negative thoughts, guess what your life's going to be? Negative. It's really not that. It's, I mean, it's even science. Science is catching up to what the Bible's teach, taught for years. If you're thinking that your kids are a failure, guess what they're going to end up being? Failures. If you think that you have the worst job in the world, Pastor Clint, you won't believe what I got to go through. I can't go to work, please, God. Take this cup away from me, this thorn on my flesh, this person that comes by my cubicle, please, God, take this away. Mother morning's coming. And we can so often, instead of changing our pattern of of, of thoughts, We can so often crawl into church. I got to be there on Wednesday night to hear Robert Ross. It's just so incredible. I'm running out of gas. I better get there right now. And We get to Wednesday and we're like, oh, I got a quarter tank of gas. And then Thursday happens. And Friday and Saturday, you're like, oh, God, I need to make it a Sunday. And then there's the occasional one or two weeks a year where you miss church because you're on vacation and then you backslide (laughs) because you didn't go to the gas station because your thoughts control your destiny more than church attendance does. How you think will eventually become your destination. This is what David understood. It's not wrong to complain. It's really not. In fact, I, I love God. He hears all my complaints. <laughs> Audrey will tell you. She'll, she'll know. She tells me all the time when it's too much. You need to go talk to Jesus. You need to go talk to Jesus because right now you need some Jesus time. <laughs> I, like I, just, I just don't want to go to God because he's going to say, Your thoughts control your destiny. David understood that we've got to control our thoughts. We can shake people's hands and say and pretend like we love them when in our hearts and in our minds the Lord knows. So, how's your thoughts today? How are you operating as a believer with the greatest news in the world? The biggest news in the world is that Jesus died for our sins and we represent Jesus and we literally Christians means little Christ could it be that the problem is not the church not being relevant could it be the problem is the way that we i live my life on the streets of cleveland Could it be the problem is not how much resources we have as a church? Could it be that we are not little Christ everywhere we go? Because our thoughts, our secrets, our worries, they control our lives. Romans 12 says, Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Paul is talking to Christians here. He's not talking to unchurched people. He's not talking to people outside the walls of the church. He's talking to people that are sitting in the pews, like you and I, who is not allowing the Lord to change the way we think. Do not conform to the patterns or the behaviors and customs of this world, worrying about things. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you want that in your life today? His perfect will, His goodness, His kindness every day. Could it be that I can wake up worry-free and I'm here to say yes? You can, worry with the, you can wake up with no worry. You can operate every day with the joy of the Lord, with the past in the mirror saying, the top's down, weather's good, and I'm going forward. But are you willing to change the way you think? To all my business people in here today, you may be trying to be innovative, finding the next best product or the next best strategic initiative Maybe you're a leader in here and you, you're thinking, God, what do I need to produce in order to make an impact in the world today? Can I encourage you, don't try to produce anything, just come in line with his thoughts and you'll be amazed how much innovation happens. He'll tell you, do this, do that, go here, go there, because he's controlling your thoughts. So, what do you do when you're past this stage and you graduated as a Christian and you can control your thoughts? And a lot of us may be there, we're like, we're good, we're good, Pastor Claire, we, we're, we're good. I get this, I like this. What do you do when it's other people in your life? What do you do when they're in your family? What do you do when they're a sibling? What do you do when it's your kid and you can't run away? You're controlling. I mean, you're just God. Help me with my thoughts. I'm waking up positive. I'm like Joel Osteen every morning, happy all the time. What do you do when one o'clock rolls around and people, evil people, and wrongdoers are in your life and you can't get rid of them? Oh, that's hard. When you can't run away, 4th of July was terrible maybe for some of you guys because you're like, my sister was there. You don't want to know my sister, Pastor Glenn. You don't want to know what she said last Thanksgiving to me. You won't believe what she said about my kids. I just can't, I can't be around her. So many times we run instead of actually addressing the way we think even about other people Let's get real here today. David mentions in verse one, "Not to be afraid of the evildoer." How many of you guys know there's a lot of evil in our world today. You turn on the news, and it's like, "Evil nonstop." So I was on Facebook. A few weeks ago, when we were like, hey, we're going to Cleveland. And so, you know, you do what everybody on Facebook does, which is you go to the local news page and you hit like. And you just get flooded on Facebook with notifications about the most recent news, depending on the channel that you like, amen, about Cleveland. And what had happened. In the last three weeks, I was bombarded with <laughs> news about Cleveland. I mean, there was a house explosion in East Cleveland. How many of you guys heard about that? There's some serious stuff. And I remember about a week and a half ago, because life got busy, I just stopped listening. It's amazing how much positivity comes in your life when you just turn the news off. <laughs> Just turn it off. I don't care if you like CNN or Fox or whatever, MSNBC. Turn it off. Kingdom people don't live their lives according to the news. Kingdom people don't live their lives according to who's in power. We live our lives according to kingdom principles. That's what we do. I like this crowd right here. Amen. It's going to be my favorite section. Amen. David talks about evildoers and not to be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. No matter what they do to you, you have eternity locked up. Jesus has got you, not just in this life, but the next. Because we don't live with what we see. Sometimes we're so caught up in the moment, in the reality. And I understand some of us are facing some real life struggles. But have you asked yourself, what am I thinking? Is God putting these thoughts in my mind? Or is it me? And sometimes we even blame the enemy. Well, the enemy is attacking my mind, pastor. Could it be you? Could it be? Maybe it is you. Let's control our thoughts with the Word of God. To every challenge in our life, the Word of God gives us a proactive response. It is never reactive. This is why we need to read the Word of God. Sometimes we get into a habit of actually getting promises of God and forgetting about them. We actually read the Word of God in January for the new year, and then we forget about them halfway through the year. We don't even know where it's at. The Word of God is a proactive response. When you open your Word every day and you read the Bible every day, you know what you're doing? You're being proactive about something that actually could happen today. This is why you go into the Bible. Have you ever wondered why they call it the Living Bible? Because you could read the same verse today that you read for the last year, and God could give you something new. This is why this is the number one selling book in the world. This is why. Because there's living hope in it. It precedes where we need to be. So let's eat the Word of God. Let's dive into the Word of God. Let's be proactive in our response to challenges. David then gives us, in this chapter, he breaks it down. He gives us steps to overcoming worry. This is literally what he does. He said, I got some evildoers, and I got some wrongdoers in my life. I got a lot of them. But here's what I know. Verse 3, he says, focus on God. Let's read verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. I love this. I love that David was proactive. He said, Trust in God. And most of us have heard that before. We've danced to that before. We've had the B3 organ going. We've been shouting to it. We love it when the pastor says, Trust in the Lord. And then you're going for it and you're feeling hungry. You have a three-hour service. Today we're going to have four hours of service. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everyone relax. Everyone relax. Stay seated. We're, all, we're almost done. He says, trust in the Lord. And he says, do good. Don't just sit around in your house saying, God, I trust you with my issues. I trust you with my thoughts. I trust you with my worries. I trust you with everything. I trust you with the big and small, and you hide. That's not what David did. He continued to flourish where he was planted. When there was issues in his life, David said, I'm still going to do good. How many of us retreat when there's something wrong in our life? Trust and action go hand-in-hand in hand. Trust and action go hand in hand. If you're sitting on trust right now and you're waiting on God to actually show up into your situation, that may happen. But are you flourishing where you're at? Or are you living a Christian life full of issues just sitting there waiting to go to heaven? God has a purpose for you today. God has a purpose for you to accomplish today. God has a vision for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. Are you coming into line with that? David trusted God. He trusted him to come through, but he also pursued doing good. How did he pursue God's goodness? He continued to flourish where he was positioned. You may be in a really, really tough position today, but are you flourishing with the Lord? Are you flourishing in your job? Are you flourishing in your church? Or are you sitting back watching everybody else participate? And you're sitting on the bench. When things are better, I'll come on board. Are you flourishing? Are you involved in serving in our church? Oh, no, Pastor, you didn't go there. I used to serve a long time ago. I used to love kids. (laughs) Long time ago, Pastor. Back when they had the, uh, in the early 2000s, you know, we didn't have all these fancy softwares for a presentation in the church world. How many of you guys remember transparencies? You talk about work. Man, I was sweating to do that job. <laughs> we were in the balcony. We called it the nest when I was first volunteering in church. And you had to be quick, you know? And you, you couldn't get your fingers on there because the pastor would get upset if they saw your hand. <laughs> so you're literally sneaking that transparency off and putting it back on. That's tough. But today, all you got to do on the media team is hit the right cursor, but that's too much. That's too much, Pastor. You, I got to show up an hour before church, and I don't know about all that. That's, that's, uh, that's too much. I know. I know. You guys thought it was going to be all delightful. <laughs> but how many of you guys know trust and action go hand in hand? This past week... I was packing up my stuff in, in Texas into a pod. You guys know what a pod is. They come and drop this container. And um, I have to be honest with you that uh, it was a pretty crazy week. And so we have two cars. We have three now because we got blessed with a minivan. And uh, yeah, for real. And, and so we had three cars. We had three cars, and they're not, they're not super fancy, but I love Acuras. I love Acuras. They're great cars. Yes, your pastor likes nice things. Is that okay? Am I with my friends here today? Yeah. <laughs> like, how much is this guy getting paid? Come on, somebody find out. They're old Acuras. They're old, but I keep them in nice condition, Okay. And uh, I was saying, you know, how do I get this car? So the plan was that I was going to sell the four-door sedan to a local dealership. And I got to Fort Worth and realized that I left the car title in the other Acura in Cleveland. And Audrey is in Kentucky. Then I went and found out at the title office that the car is under Audrey's name only. I was like, this is going to be an awkward conversation. So I called the dealership and I told them, hey, here's the situation. My wife's in Kentucky. The title is in Cleveland and I want to sell a car. Guess what they said to me? Sir, if you bring in your divorce documents... we'll go ahead and take care of this. I said, we're not divorced. And she's kind of like, "You're yeah, all right, You know, like you're trying to sell your wife's car without her knowing. I said, no, that's not what's going on. Us. She's like, well, we can't do it. You have to have her here as well to make this happen. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I got a flight on Friday night to come back to Cleveland. And I was getting all emotional, you know, thinking about the plane taking off and saying goodbye to Dallas-Fort Worth. And I like these moments, you know, where God's doing something, the plane's going forward, and what's behind me, and I'm telling myself all this, and I said, okay, how am I going to sell this? So the first thought in my mind was, I'm just going to do a private party sale, and then I'll like mail them the title. And it was Thursday, and the Lord told me, "Uh uh-uh, when I woke up. I said, what are you talking about, God? I got to vacate the premises. You came through on the blessing, the house sold in two weeks. I already closed. What, what are you talking about? So you're not leaving Texas with that car. You're going to give it away. Exactly. Exactly my point. And so I have this great discussion, your pastor did, about trusting in the Lord and doing good. Preparing this message, and the Lord saying, are you doing good? I'm about to preach it to you. I even thought about not telling you guys a story you would have never found out about. Okay? So I said, okay, God, I'll think about it tomorrow. We'll sit on it for a night. (laughs) I wake up Friday, 6 p.m., I'm flying out. And the Lord tells me, you got to get this car away. My God, no. I mean, private party. I'll take some pictures. And then I get a phone call uh, from a pastor friend of mine who has been a huge help to me, who's years ahead of me. And uh, for the last 10 years, he's just had a tough time and things aren't going well. And and, uh, I knew he needed a car. I knew it. I knew it. And I told the Lord, okay, I'm going to make a deal with him. I will put it on the Facebook marketplace and on Craigslist and kind of guilt him into saying, I don't need the car if it sells. I know, that's smart. That's real smart with God. So I tell him, I said, uh, I'm not going to tell his name. I'm going to say, Tom. I told Tom. Hey, um, I'm leaving tonight, and the Lord uh, told me to uh, sell the car, but if you want it, you can have it. (laughs) And Tom, he's very kind, he said to me, Well, you know, why don't you put it online, and uh, if it sells, don't worry about it. And I said, Okay, thanks, bye, and put the phone down. And I told the Lord, yes, see, Tom. And the Lord said, call him back. I said, no, I trust you, God, but I'm not doing good. And I called him back. And I told Tom, I said, God told me that if you guys come and take a look at this, car, and you don't like it, then I will put it on the market. Later that day, uh, Tom and his wife came, looked at the car, I washed it, I put gas in it, <laughs> I handed the keys over. Now here's... Thank you. Thank you. Here's the reality. Later that day, I'm feeling a little good because they were crying on a driveway, and I'm feeling like they really needed it, and I'm sowing seeds, and God gave us a minivan, so why not? Getting on the plane, the flight was delayed not once, twice, twice three times, four times. I had to hop onto another plane in another terminal. They moved the gate over, got to Cleveland at 2 in the morning, and on the flight, or 1 in the morning, 1.30. And on the flight, I told the Lord, that's bizarre. I gave a car away. What are you doing here? And the Lord told me so clearly, it was never about me. It's about the seed. When I planted the car, and it's not about money, by the way. We're not taking up an offering. Everyone hold on to your wallets, put it back in. I know you guys are ready to give. I know you are. We're not going to be doing an offering. That's not the kind of church we're going to be. But it was never about the car. Years ago, he planted this seed into my life. It's just being funneled through me. Doing good is not about being a good person. It's about being an open pipe for the kingdom of God. So when things are going rough, if you want some inspiration, don't just think of the person that has it worse than you. Don't just think about doing good in our community, even though that's a great thing to do. Think about the fact that there are seeds going through your home and your life And you're in control of the faucet. Are you ready to be used by God like you've never been used before? Flourish right where you're at. Amen? Matthew 6, 33 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. He will give you everything you need. Guys, I am not Oprah. I do not like giving cars away. And I've never done this before in my life. The reason why this is a powerful moment for me is because it is not about what I can get. It's about seeking the kingdom of God first. It's not about the minivan that we got. It's about being used by God. Will we be obedient? Number two is this. Seek the Father's heart. Verse four says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Here's a key thought for us. There's provision and goodness waiting in the Lord. Not in the decisions, but it's waiting in the Lord. The word delight in the original translation means delicate. It means delicate. It means pliable. It means being soft. How is our heart today? Is it soft to the instructions from God? Have you noticed in that verse, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what if the desires in my heart are wrong? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? Well, here's what happens when you delight in the Lord. Your heart is soft. It becomes more like the Father's heart the softer it becomes. Some of us have such hard hearts in the presence of God. Could it be that the enemy is hardening your heart so that you won't know the Father's heart for you? Could it be the fact that when your heart is so hard that you can hear the Word of God, but it goes right over your head, not into your heart, because it's not soft? If you're feeling overwhelmed and full of worry right now, it's a sign your heart may be open to the wrong source. Verse 4 tells us to delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, focus your heart in the right direction, and that direction is to the Lord. And He will give you what? The desires in your heart, because you don't even know that your desires in your heart, when you align yourself with God, it's actually His desires. So you may be thinking, when you're feeling blessed, and you're feeling like things are going good, it's really God's desire. You may think you did something, but you just aligned yourself with God. Yeah, and you're saying, God, thank you so much. And he's saying, well, thanks for delighting in me. Thanks for opening up your heart to me. Thanks for making your heart a place that I can live and unpack and be a part of your home. Amen. Luke 6, 43 to 45 says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't. Produce good fruit. A tree is identified by if you're complaining, if you're always angry, if you're always upset, if you're always driven with rage, if you're always negative, if you're always hateful, if you're always without joy, if you're always fearful, if you're always yelling, you're identified by the fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, Patience, yeah. kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Yeah. Come on, Sunday school people's up in the house today. <laughs> They've got some Sunday school people here. Right? Yeah. So could it be when that's not coming out of our life? Could it be that what's on the inside needs to be realigned? I'm here to encourage you. Realign your life so that the fruit of your life and the fruit of your thoughts are exactly what God wants it to be. He will do something special in your life. Here's the third thing that David reminds us. Commitment is the key to peace. And if we can have someone on the keys come up and play. Commitment is the key to peace. Verse 5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord, Trust in Him. Man, trust is said so many times in this passage. And He will act. You don't have to do anything. Notice it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in who? Him. And He will act. You don't have to worry about doing anything. So many times in our walk with God and our faith with God, we're worried about what we need to do. The gospel is more about your heart than you think. So align your heart and your thoughts to him, and he will act. He's got you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's got you. He's got you. Turn to the other one that you avoided and say, he's got you. Decide to be committed to the way of the Lord. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's something that you make a decision. So today, before you leave, make a decision. Make a decision to be committed to the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is prosperous, not because it's going to be full of riches and wealth. That's not what I'm talking about. It's prosperous because God is with you. You! Amen? Verse 23 to 25, it says this, and I'm going to close here. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. How many guys heard that verse before? I used to always think that if I would just do that whatever I did... God was ordering my steps. I think I got confused with the verse in Joshua where the Lord tells Joshua, "Everywhere you put your foot on, I will I think I got confused. It was a good Christian confusion, you know? It was like a It's like a just a a brain lapse. What what David's actually saying here is that when the steps of your decisions are established By God, He delights in His way. In other words, when your steps are lined and established by God, He delights in it. It's not the opposite. It's not the other way around that you have to order your steps. No, no, no. You delight in God, and guess what God does? orders your steps. Some of you are worried about your future. You just need to take your next step today. You got to be decisive about being committed to God. Once you become decisive, guess what happens? Your steps become ordered. You don't have to do anything other than being committed to His way. Verse 24 says this, though He fall... He shall not be cast headlong. In today's language, it's called falling on your face. How many you guys worried that, you know, if God doesn't come through in this situation right now, and if I let go and I stop worrying, I may fall flat. If God doesn't come through on this business deal, all of my eggs are in this basket, I'm going to lose not just hundreds of dollars, I'm going to lose thousands of dollars. Guess what the Lord's saying? I've got you by your hand. Just delight in me. Some of us today are waiting on our healing. You've been praying for years and years and years and years and you're not seeing this miracle happen. God saying, I got you, baby girl. I got you, baby boy. Just hold on to my hands. I got a five and a half year old. She's almost six. I remember the day that she first started walking. It was just, it was amazing. And she's just kind of wobbling and sometimes i think the lord looks down at us on our faith and we're just learning how to walk but that's okay if you're learning how to walk and you are new to god maybe you're been around church for a long time you're just learning how to walk and you're trying you're trying to not fall you know you're trying to don't worry about it god's got you by his hand He's got you by the palm of his hand. You don't have to worry about anything. He's got you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's got you. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Come on, let's give a shout of praise to God today. Hallelujah. I'm going to encourage you today ordered steps, ordered steps, when they are in order, when we delight in his way, ordered steps lead to your destination. Don't let worry defeat the joy of God in your life. God is with you. Take a bold step and align your steps with God and commit your ways unto the Lord. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you, God, that you are in our midst. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do something supernatural right now, God. You know, in fact, let's just, let's do something a little different. Let's stand up right now. And I want you in your own way. No one looking around, no one leaving. Just take a couple minutes. Rachel's going to sing that song, the bridge, and the chorus a couple times. And I just want you to engage God. Whatever it is, whatever's got you worried today, I want you to just give it up to God and just worship right now. Just worship him. Come on, let's begin. Let's not even wait for Rachel to start singing. Let's just worship him. God, we worship you. And we hand you our worries. We hand you our issues. We we hand you our problems. We hand you the the prayers that we've been praying for years and we haven't seen the miracle. We want to hold your hand, God. We want to be in step with you, God. We want to be in faith with you, Lord. We want to be aligned with your heart, God. Help us, Lord, to be committed to your ways. Help us to believe that there's peace in you, not in what we do, God. There's peace in you, Lord. Do what only you can do. God, for the hardened hearts here today, I pray they would become soft. I pray that they would become moldable, God. They would do What you want them to do, God. Come on, sing that out.
1: Prince of peace, perfect healing all my life.
0: thank you god that we can look back and we can look forward and we look back god and we see that you're faithful that we look ahead we don't look at the things that we don't do god but we align ourselves with you jesus come on if there's if there's some worry in your life right now i just want you just to take another moment just take another moment don't leave this place without placing your worry at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you're far from God, I want you to know that this peace can be part of your life as well. Maybe you're here today and uh, you used to be a part of church and it's been a long time since you've been back in church. I want to ask you today a question that could potentially change the rest of your life. And that question is simple. Would you make... Jesus, the King and Lord of your life? Would you allow him into your heart? Would you make that decision to allow him to come into your life? So if that's you right now, I just want you where you're at, just in your own words. You don't have to say anything special. Just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. God, I want you in my heart. I want want to make this decision to follow you today. Would you do that right now? Just in your own way, in your own words. We thank you for your presence, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that there are decisions being made right now. Thank you there are decisions of recommitment to your way. We thank you for secrets being exposed right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that secret sin is being exposed right now in your presence God I pray that people would have the courage to step out and to be transformed with newness in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Father we thank you so much for today we thank you for your presence we thank you that you are committed to our well being we love you we worship you God We believe our steps are ordered by you as individuals and as a church, that you've got exactly what we need to do ahead of us. It's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord today. Thank you, God. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We are honored that you are here. You could be anywhere else. You could be anywhere else. And if you're someone here today and you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Uh, We'll have prayer partners in the front of the auditorium, board members that would be willing and honored to pray with you. And if you need prayer for anything, come find them in the front. If you're our guest today, I'd love to meet you in the Connect Center. If not, we're dismissed. Uh, God bless you. Enjoy the weather today. We'll see you Wednesday night.